Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What are you, what are you taking, with Jesus? Shh, shh, shh. Watch. What's up, dudes? Hey, Kenny. Hey, what's up, Kate? She's a mess. She's been crying nonstop. Kate? Sweetheart? What? Uh, would you mind coming to the door real quick for just a second? What is it? You look like you've been crying bunches. Death isn't nice, is it? Kate, do you believe in magic? You mean like tricks and stuff? Just like any kind of magic, just sorcery, mysticisms. I believe in sorcery. Cool. Then say it with me. Magical adventures. One, two, three. Magical adventures. One, two, three. He has risen indeed. What is this, Kenny? Oh my god. Oh my fucking god, what have you done? Shane! What, what is this? This isn't Shane, this is Skull, it's Shane's fucking twin brother. What? Fucking kidding me? I'm so sorry. I had no idea. I would never have come in and been a part of this. No, it's just like, he's a twin. You have to pull this trick with somebody. He's having an asthma attack. (sighs) I'm out of here. No, no, just let me make it better. Sorry. Hey, this is Eric Jake from Wild Street, and I'll be on the Hook Rocks radio tomorrow talking about our new album, Three, that comes out via Golden Robot Records on June 25th, and our tour, Kings of the World Tour. Listen to our single mother.
Hello, everyone. What's happening? What's going on? Welcome back to the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Hope your day is going well. Happy Sunday to all of you. Once again, this is Jay Scott. I'll be your host for this conversation once again as we dive into a topic that is ever-changing, and that is the NFT blockchain technology topic and how it's affecting music. we got lots to get into. Once again, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, the network of music podcasts. So check out myself and all of the past episodes of The Hook Rocks, as well as Cobras and Fire, Shout Out Loudcast, Mistress Carrie, Vinny Apice, Carmen Apice, Martin Popoff, many others to choose from. Visit them at PantheonPodcast.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcasts. Give us a follow back so you can hear all the latest episodes whenever they drop. They always do drop a hour to five hours before I post them on social media. So you'll have early access to all the new podcasts, music commentaries, music interviews, all that good stuff. So please do so. Also, write us a review if you do get a chance. Let us know how you feel about the show, what you like about it. Lots of good stuff coming. I think I'm going to start. Well, I do have an Instagram page, and I think I'm going to be starting one here probably July 1st. And I think I'm going to be doing like the Daily Diary, which is just going to be like a minute and a half video of my thoughts on what's going on and music I'm listening to and whatever I'm doing, concerts I'm going to. So it'll be pretty fun. But at any rate, I'd like to welcome in our next guest. She is a huge asset to the show. She is, God, I don't know, this is probably her sixth or seventh time being on the podcast. She's always welcome back. She's a great guest. She knows a lot about the stuff that we're going to talk about today. Like I mentioned, NFT, blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, all that good stuff and how the volatile aspect of it is happening by the moment, by the minute. And she knows her stuff. She knows her uh, her her information on this. There's no one that does it better. There's no one that researches more than Christy and Eagle. What's going on, Christy? How are you? Hi, Jay. Thanks for that. That's really cool. And thanks for having me back. I love to um, sit in on your podcast and kind of talk about all things music, especially music industry. So yeah, um, yeah thanks for having me back. NFTs. I have, to, I have to take every five minutes for the latest, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, it's, I'll be out of the loop. <laughs> it's been a volatile few weeks for NFT and all of cryptocurrency. And, yep. you know, for those that just started following this stuff, we did an episode about a month and a half ago, I want to say, um, mm-hmm. on the technology and how it's going to be impacting music, as well as other areas of business and, you know, other art forms and what else is going on and, and what's happening. You know, there's corporations in a, they're going to start accepting cryptocurrency and NFT. Um, but like anything else that's new and anything else that is has uncertain infrastructure is probably the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. It is going to be volatile. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's always going to be like that in the beginning. Um, Bitcoin, which is probably the most recognizable name in cryptocurrency, as we all know, gosh, two, three years ago, maybe around, maybe a little longer than that. I mean, it had a huge push. It made, you know, made headlines all over the place. It really was the introductions for people in 
cryptocurrency. Bitcoin does have a bit of a shady past to it and how it started and mm. and you know where it came <laughs> from. And I guess you know that does play a huge part in governments across the globe putting in mm-hmm. regulation for this or impending regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's that. And, and, and got it dipped down. It was so high for a while. And then it dipped down as low as like $6,000 at one point, like a year and a half, mm-hmm. two years ago. And now it jumped back up to 50,000. Now it's like in the 30,000s or low mm-hmm. 40,000s. So there is a lot of volatility to it. And NFT which is blockchain technology, and it's basically mm-hmm. you're able to have a an item, a digital item, I want to say, right? Digital. Di- yeah. Well, no. Uh, Kings of Leon did an album as an NFT. Okay. So okay. so NFT is uh, a non-fungible token, and it can be digital, um, and it can be something like a concert seat. You know, so that's a physical thing. Right. So um, what it means is it's one of a kind, non-fungible token. So it's like very unique as opposed to Bitcoin. Like, you know, those are, they're, they're exchangeable Bitcoin to Bitcoin. Right. Uh, NFTs are not. So. So there has been some volatility, I, I think since May 12th, um, NFT and the value of it has really dipped with investors coming in and out of mm. the technology, investing money, pulling money out, putting it back in. Um, like I said, anytime something's new, there's always going to be course corrections and, and, mm-hmm. and instability. And I think what now what right. we're seeing is a course correction. Um, oh, yeah. One of the things that I've been reading about that is the reason for a lot of this volatility is the lack of infrastructure for mm-hmm. this type of technology, mm-hmm. this type of currency, because people are mm-hmm. putting up things and putting money into things that are, that are ridiculous. <laughs> you know, yes. Like, you know, so, yeah. you know, but, but here's the thing you have to keep as, as we go through this journey of the volatility and what's happening with NFT and cryptocurrency. When you look at corporations, Okay. And you look at investors like Mark Cuban, right? Mm-hmm. They're putting money into platforms and they're putting money mm-hmm. into this. They wouldn't be putting mm-hmm. money into it if it was a fad, a flash in the pan, or it's going to go away. It's, oh, absolutely. It's not. Um, I, think, I, I, think this I totally cor- agree. I think this course correction is actually good for right. the technology because it – it's 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 got to have some foundation, and oh, yeah. as as people kind of weave through all this, the lack of foundation is evident, and you know you've got to have some sort of base, and I think that's what's happening right now. Right. So I did some research, and uh, Jones Day uh, is a uh, great, uh, I would say, a point to start if you want to look at um, the infrastructure of NFTs. Uh, they get a lot of information out there. And um, again, you know, I'm not giving legal or financial advice. I'm just a music person who reads a lot and understands and does a lot of research. Uh, four key takeaways on NFTs right now from when we talked even a month ago. So NFTs are an emerging asset class, right? That's what they are. 
and they've captured the attention of consumers and investors in the U.S. But here's what you're talking about. That interest and attention has outpaced the regulatory and legal framework, right? So the SEC and a lot of, you know, acronym government agencies are looking at this to see, oh, my God, people are starting to trade this. Is it an asset? Do we need an exchange? Does it need to be regulated? What's it being used for? Um, I'll get to that in a second. The second thing to understand, and this is really key to everything, is understanding the use and value of any NFT are the intellectual property rights granted. For example, the right to use it, copy it, display it, and modify it. Uh, because it is on a blockchain, NFTs are inherently resellable. So um, you don't particularly own it. Um, but a lot of bands are trying to figure out, the musicians, how to sell part of their copyright into the NFT package so that as they grow in popularity, uh, the people who invest early are going to have a little slice of their copyright. So that's coming and understanding and clarifying exactly what uh, the NFT grants you and doesn't grant you through the intellectual property rights. Very interesting. Uh, and here's the thing that you're really talking about. There is no direct state regulatory guidance on NFTs. A few states, New York, of course, and Louisiana, they have created laws that they're trying to control or regulate NFTs and calling them an asset like an equity or a share or a bond and, and regulate it. Because essentially, all of this is what's on call is on call. This is what is called DeFi, uh, decentralized finance. Uh, that means it's a digital ledger that is based on code and anybody can access it. And there's no banker. There's nobody you can call to say, hey, what's going on with my investment and this NFT, right? From some, There's a bunch of companies out there that offer NFTs now. So uh, I think that the federal government's going to start looking at it because a lot of senators have made noise that Basically, cryptocurrency is being used by terrorist organizations around the world to fund their uh, illegal activities and terrorism. So I think Homeland Security uh, is going to be taking a look at it, and hopefully they don't sneak regulation into the big infrastructure bill that's happening right now, but there's a possibility that could happen. And um, number four, something to really be careful about, NFTs will likely be targeted with greater frequency by cyber criminals for financial gain. And we saw last week or in the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of um, malware and a lot of ransomware going on in the U.S. So um, that's one thing I think that everybody is like looking to see what happens because there has been some hacking on wallets, which are online. So those are, those are kind of like the state of NFT kind of legally right now is where we're at. I all think that, I think that's a good thing. In terms of infrastructure, in terms of regulation, yeah. not all regulation is bad, right? I mean, right. I mean every, there's a lot of people out there. Anytime they heard the hear the word regulation, you know, they say, "Oh, any regulation is bad." No, this is to help protect people. And if it's oh, in yeah. the, if it's in the infrastructure bill, that's you know going back and forth right now and being negotiated. It all depends on on how it's regulated. You know, I mean. Right. Is it is it going to be regulated to protect against users like myself or you or I should say I should say investors that are that are going to be putting their own money in 
and making sure that investment is protected and making sure that fraud, you know, can't be, can't creep into this tech type of technology. I mean, if you're going to be putting up thousands of dollars and in some case millions of dollars, you want to make sure what you're getting is authentic and is real because anytime there's something new, people do prey on people's ignorance. So there has to be some sort of regulation involved to protect against that. Okay. Oh yeah. There's been 23 attacks to date that have netted hackers about 400 million, according to data compiled by rec news. It's a website that tracks that. Um, one hacker sold 60 million of digital currency from a platform. You got to be really careful about your platform. That's something we can talk about. But yeah, this kind of stuff, I mean, if regulation is going to stop this, then I think it's really important. Yeah. And also, too, we don't want terrorists and organized crime groups across the globe to use this as an advantage, too, as well. So there has to be some regulation. And anytime there's something new, it is like the wild, wild west, you know, where people are pretty much doing whatever they want to do. And, you know, they'd only last for so long before there has to be some protections put in place, because if it continues to be the wild, wild west, if bands are going to be selling their copyrights, their music or whatever it is, or however they're going to utilize blockchain Mm -hmm. technology, and then someone's, you know, fraudulently buying something and then pulling their money out or however they're going to do or hacking to get their money back, we need to have protections in place to have that. So this is why you're, you're seeing what people are calling the bubble bursting, which I think is yeah. I think is a little extreme. I don't think the bubble is bursting at all. I just think that there is infrastructure need to be put in place for this to really move forward and succeed. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you know, right now Bitcoin Bitcoin mining, okay, Bitcoin is cryptocurrency, like Ethereum is uh, a cryptocurrency, and their currency is called Ether. Um, you've got server farms around the world and what they usually do is set up in countries that have very low energy costs and they build these huge warehouses and they're mining for bitcoins, right? Because if they get the bitcoin, then they get a fractional cost of it and the reward is really pretty substantial. Um, well, you know, that sucks down a lot of energy and so a lot of people are looking at the environmental cost of, um, mining this particular cryptocurrency and there'll probably be regulations coming down on that side of it as well and i know that you know when you dive into nft and and i'll talk about kings of leon right now because last time we talked they were about to drop their new album uh on an nft and you know one of the criticisms that came out and i read a lot about is that environmentally it was just not very sustainable and how can bands do this and it's really bad for the the energy and blah 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 and and it is right now it does shut down a lot of energy a lot of platforms are trying to counter that with fees and offsets right and there's a couple companies that are mastering it uh king to leon did great i i thought they they raised over two million dollars um on their album and the nft and artwork but they were a little bit disappointed i think they were expecting to make a lot more and what they didn't really realize 
is that for consumers, um, buying an NFT is a learning experience, right? And you have to decide what platform you're on. You have to create a wallet. You have to really understand what all the fees are. You might only want to buy a $50 album, but there's going to be some offset fees for uh, companies that are really cognizant of the environment. And so it's called gas. And so you're going to have to pay a lot of fees. So a $50 NFT might end up costing you $120, right? So uh, you have to know that going in. And I think for fans that Kings of Leon didn't get what they want out of it, I think, because I don't think the understanding was there on, you know, how kind of complicated it is to work your way through purchasing something like an NFT. Absolutely. I think, you know, the consumer right now is in the process of getting educated on what this is and how they go Mm -hmm. about investing money in in purchasing something. So, you know, it it is not, I mean, a year ago at this time, you know, we all knew about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in that aspect, but NFT is, you know, is still at its infant stages and, you know, making $2 million out of something that really is still in the beginning of the process, I, I still think that's that's a decent amount of money for Kings of Leon to to do that, and I th- yeah, uh, I don't think bands should give up on that. Um, nope. And as people get more educated with it, I think it's just going to become more and more. I just had Neil Hunter on from Takeaway Thieves, which is a new band, an up and coming band from the UK, and they're about to release their new album here. I think by fall it'll be out. And they're going the NFT and the blockchain route too as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. part of the conversation that we had was you just got to stick through the volatility of it. You just got to kind of mm-hmm. weather the storm. It's going to be down. It's going to be up. There's going to be lefts and there's going to be rights. There's going to be a lot of twists and turns. And you just got to stick with it. Just like any investment. If you invest in the stock market and you invest mm-hmm. in certain companies, certain entities, it's the same thing. There's volatility. I mean, some there's certain aspects of the stock market that are very stable. Like if you want to do a very stable investment, people can always direct you towards where to invest and in, you know, where mm-hmm. there's stability. If you want to invest in more risky types of companies and more risky stocks, people will direct you to that too as well. So maybe on a a grand comparison, right now the stock market is a little less volatile, it's probably more stable because the economy is doing mm-hmm. good. But if the economy mm-hmm. ever bottoms out like it did in 2008 and 2009, it's just as volatile, right? I mean, you don't know what the stock you know, companies are going to do during the time yep. when the economy is not doing very well. You don't know which stocks mm-hmm. to invest in. You, you have to rely on people and sometimes they don't know either. And it's it's just the luck of the draw it's, you know, in, in a lot of cases. So Oh, totally. It, 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 totally. There's, there's, vol- there's volatility anytime you're investing in something or on a platform that you're investing, especially something that's new. And the technology is exactly. still evolving as we speak. But right. let's be clear. The, the future of this is still promising. And the impact oh, it yeah. will have on artists and musicians is still, is still there. Exactly. Yeah, so for fans, they can buy the NFT through cryptocurrency. Now, for me, I've been studying crypto for a while, and I still can't really decide on what wallet I'm going to go with. You know, is it Coinbase? Is it 
Yellow Heart is Open Seas, and Open Seas is an artist, and Yellow Heart is musicians. That was the one that um, Kings of Leon used. So it's kind of like figuring out. And then once you kind of get your eye on one or two of them, kind of watching how they're doing. Are they up? Are they down? What's the volatility? You know, what's your level of risk, right? Because basically cryptocurrency is online money. It includes a record of it owns what. It's stored on a shared ledger, ledger and that is um, blockchain. And the advantage for the artist is that they set the terms and they can embed smart contracts. So that's a very key term, term you'll need to know, smart contracts. That ensure a slice of any resale value. So resale value, you get a little piece if it gets resold. And that's kind of cool. But the stranger part is that although each NFT sold is supposed to be one of a kind, you know, the contents can still be shared, copied, and sold to anyone further down the line. That means the NFT value is defined by its scarcity. And so, of course, the lower the number, the higher the value. And that's, you know, I think kind of what artists can really leverage uh, NFTs. And I think things like VIP packages, concerts for life, um, you know, test pressings of their vinyl, all those kind of really special items that fans would collect. Uh, I think that's where the magic and the money can be made in offering NFTs. It's interesting because where this could go, there really are no, there's, there's possibilities everywhere. You know, there's no limits oh, yeah. and, oh, yeah. you know, that is great in, on one aspect and it's scary on the other, especially if you're an investor and also if you're the person that's trying to make money off of it too, you know, like where right. does this go? Um, I still think it's going to be a huge impact in music and art as well. Any form of art, movies, music, um, I think eventually, you know, sports tickets too, as well. Season tickets oh, yeah. for, for, oh, yeah. for, you know, for hockey. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball. Maybe. Yeah. It, Baseball. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's no. endless. It, it really is. And it's, as far as the environmental concerns, explain to what those concerns really are, because I have a background in commercial real estate and uh-huh. I have put clients in buildings who do Bitcoin mining. And mm-hmm. once they outfit the warehouse, it looks mm-hmm. like a spaceship because they've mm-hmm. got to bring so much air in. Mm-hmm. Okay. They got to bring so much air mm-hmm. in to, to cool, keep the, the, the mm-hmm. devices cool that they're mining this Bitcoin on because they get so extremely hot to the point that the warehouse that these Bitcoin mining factories are in don't even use heat in the middle of a Chicago winter. Okay. No. So when it's 40 below zero out, Bitcoin factory down the street or wherever it's at is not using any heat because the heat radiating from the machines doing the Bitcoin mining is, is the temperature is, 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 is fine in the warehouse. So it's really interesting to see how they build all this stuff and how they bring the air in. Plus you've got to get the electric company out because you've got to have, to really run, oh, yeah. I mean, and the people if they're not familiar oh, yeah. with ampage in a warehouse, a typical machine, a CNC machine that um, fabricates metals, uses about oh, anywhere yeah. anywhere from four to twelve hundred amp 
Okay. Most of them use four to 800 and then your mm-hmm. high end machineries, stuff like that use about 1200, 2500 amp. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is an extremely mm-hmm. high amount of power. An extremely high. I mean, so far that mm-hmm. if, if something ever happened to that factory, it could probably blow up the block or, or, you know, Oh yeah. You know, with, 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 uh, with that amount of power, it's incredible. Well, you know, a couple of, um, crypto mining uh, warehouses were busted recently because it was emitting the same kind of energy, uh, fingerprint that, um, you know, cannabis factories, illegal cannabis factories, uh, admit, uh, you know, so, when you hear helicopters flying around in the sky and they're in an industrial area, they're usually looking for, you know, uh, weed, weed warehouses because the energy that, that you can see in the infrared that emits from a grow operation is insane. Like it's just the cops immediately know, Oh, okay, we're going to go in. They get a warrant to go in. So I've been busting them and they've all turned out to be data mining operations. They've done this about six or seven times recently. And they go in and it's like just row after row after row of servers trying to break that, you know, answer a question. Um, because that's what data mining is. It's trying to solve a problem. And the person who gets the answer the fastest and, and the first gets rewarded with the fractional Bitcoin, right? So, and that's what keeps everything on the up and up because people constantly verifying and checking on code and checking on all of the digital ledgers. So when you see that, you know, you have to have an amazing amount of energy to run those servers. That is the problem. And that is, you know, one of there's, I, I have like six or seven articles that have been written by environmentalists and NRDC and a whole bunch of other people that are just like, you know, bit mining is absolutely one of the most destructive things that we can do for the environment right now. And that's out there. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I know that there's a lot of ethical companies that are selling NFTs and they are trying to do offset. Um, but getting there is going to be, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. It really is an energy intensive um, activity and it's really open to anybody who can put those together anywhere in the world. Right. I think a few, I think China is starting to regulate it and say, Hey, what's going on over here? You know, I think maybe someplace like China is like, okay, we'll let you do this, but we're going to get a slice of the action, you know? So there's a lot of different things. And because, these data mining operations are in a lot of different countries. You know, they're in Slovenia, and they're especially in countries where energy is cheap. So, I don't know what's going to happen with that, Jay. You would think that with this technology and with the money that can be made from it, that there will be a focus on how to do it efficiently and energy efficient. Uh, I think that's a no-brainer. I think it's going to happen. How soon it happens is the big question. Um, but I think with the amount of money being put into cryptocurrency and the people who are putting the money in, I think it's, it's, 
almost bound to happen. I mean, it, it may it wouldn't make any sense to have it just go away for that reason when there's so much money left on the table. It's not going to go away. I don't. I think you know it might take a while to solve the um, energy consumption use of of um, Bitcoin mining, um, but I think it'll eventually happen. And in the meantime, in the meantime, there's just there's so much money to be made right now in NFTs. I mean, you know, assets are selling for like $69 million and things like that for a digital copy of a cat, from what I can tell. But I mean, you know. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Repeat that sentence again? What? $69 million? $59 million for a, um, for a picture of a cat? Digital cat, people. Oh, here it is. Last what do you mean? Oh, like, 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 like a digital cat, like made up digitally? Yeah, so NFT of the 10-year-old meme, Nyan Cat. Oh, I'm sorry. This one sold for $580,000. Oh, I don't know. I have to find what, what's the one that sold for $69 million. Something just sold for $69 million, and it was crazy. Yeah, but the prices, so because there's so much attention on it right now, the prices are really inflated, right? Um a video clip of basketball player LeBron James went for $100,000. You know, um, some tweets from Jack Dorsey uh, sold quite a bit of money. I'm not sure, but it was, I think, in the hundreds of thousands. Um, you know, so when you see that, let's see, Grimes um, sold um, some NFTs uh, and the me is what two million dollars he spent two oh he spent two million dollars so people are wealthy people are spending a lot of money on these because of the scarcity like i mentioned and the ability to be an owner and to be in first right that's really where the magic is so where do you sell all uh, this stuff? right now you sell it on um you sell it on exchanges you sell, like um an exchange like Coinbase is a very big exchange right now, and um, you can buy and sell um, coins, and you can buy and sell NFTs. Uh, so researching these is the hard part, right? So finding the exchange that is just right for you, that's the problem that I'm having. So every day you hear about a new NFT collectible, um, so a reworked Andy Warhol computer image in the 1980s sold for $870,000 at Christie's auction. The famous um, Charlie Bit My Finger video on YouTube, which holds the record of more than 885 million views, sold for $760,999. Oh, here it is. Christie's auction, a work by digital artist Mike Winkleman, known as Beeple, for more than $69.3 million. And when it comes to... Um, so if I want to sell uh, a... <laughs> if I want to sell like a video of uh-huh. a concert I was at, uh-huh. a song from my point uh-huh. of view at a concert, I can put it no, on Coinbase. So. What's that? No, I don't think... You don't own the copyright, so you uh, can't do that. Okay, okay. Sorry. <laughs> my, my, you, so just, you just you know, dashed my hopes and dreams. I'm so sorry. I'm so, 
But, you know, I mean, that's what this whole thing is about, too, is using crypto and blockchain technology and smart technology um, to control your intellectual property rights, right? So a smart contract is basically, you say you wrote a song and you own the copyright and maybe you want to sell 12% of your copyright as an NFT and I buy one. Right. If you sell that copyright down the line for double that, then I'm going to get a little taste of that. Right. So, you know, there is an advantage to buying somebody's copyright or buying an NFT. Um, if it's something tangible down the line, maybe it's a VIP ticket for life. You know, I mean, I think probably if Greta Van Fleet, oh God, did I say Greta Van Fleet? Offered an NFT for VIP experiences for the rest of their concerts, man, I'd be bidding on that so fast to make your head spin, right? I mean, so depending on the demand, depending on what they're selling, is really going to create the value of the NFT. You see what I'm saying? Our, Does it make sense? Our friend Chris Corradetti would totally outbid you on that Greta Van Fleet VIP package. <laughs> he would totally. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally would. Oh, do. yeah. You'd be all oh, into yeah. that. So, if I wanted to create like a meme or a mem, I don't even know how yes. you pronounce it. Meme, mem. A meme. Okay. A meme. Um, and I wanted to create like a funny meme using my dog. And I put uh-huh. it on, and I put it on like a Coinbase thing. And someone uh-huh. wants to purchase it for a hundred gram. Mm-hmm. How likely is that? <laughs> That's a really specific number. Um, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, 100 grand, 50 grand, whatever, you know? No, I hear you. Well, um, it kind of, you know, it depends. I mean, so let's talk about that. So one of the questions about NFT is, you know, is it only for um, big bands, right? Is it only for bands like, like if Greta Van Fleet released the NFT tomorrow, it would, I mean, it would it would melt down whatever server they're on, you know, because there's so much demand. Or can you imagine if like, you know, the Rolling Stones NFT, like their, their tongue logo, you know, as a digital art form, there would be such a market for that. Right. So um, the biggest act stand to make the most from NFTs, there's no doubt about it. Um, so they, all the people that are already into crypto and have everything set up and, you know, to say like the stones are going to drop an NFT, they're ready to go. And so the demand is there. They're going to make a lot of money. I don't know if a meme of your dog is going to make <laughs> 100K, but if you've got a small fan base, you know, and it goes back to um, small bands, uh, maybe they come out of the door offering great nfts right away and they create their own little uh market for that you know i i'm thinking like a band like small town titans who've done everything on their own or maybe even dirty honey who've done everything on their own you know if dirty honey was to nft their next album i might be in on that right and so they're building their audience you're building your audience but and like the takeaway fees is that the band you're going to talk to Maybe they've got a small fan base built already that they can just launch an NFT into that ecosystem. And maybe it's something really simple like front row seats 
for, uh, you know, 20 of their U.S. concerts. You know? What if I wanted to sell, like, an empty box of Cheerios or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm, I'm you just know, amazed if by the whole thing. there's a market for it. If there's a market for it. So, fortunately, you know, some of the NFT interplanes, they do exist for the everyday listener because, you know, Kings of Leon sent their album for, uh, sold, sold their NFT album for 50 bucks. But again, it was probably a little bit more. Um, and then they had an additional super token option. Um, you could win a golden ticket for VIP concert seats and other perks. And that was a VIP concert seat for life, I believe, which was then transferable to your prodigy or something like that. So, you know, if there's a market for that, then you're going to do really well, you know? Um, and I think probably for the bigger bands, it's going to be easier to do it. If you're a smaller band, you might start smaller, you know, because your fan will, your fans have to get used to cryptocurrency. Again, there's unexpected gas fees and this fee, and there's medicinal costs and you have to set things up. So, the original $50 NFT album is probably a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. So That's interesting. Yeah. So exactly. basically nothing, not- basically nothing that I have currently, I can make money through <laughs> <laughs> or blockchain technology. Basically everything I have in my house right now is not going to make me a millionaire. You probably not. Damn it. You know, but if you cut a song and you build it, if you do what these smaller bands are doing and build your own fan base, you know, I had a discussion recently with somebody about copyrights, you know. Um, That's a big topic right is, now. Ooh, geez, I'll tell you. Um, why would you use an NFT and cut out ASCAP and BMI and all the uh, professional agencies that collect your fees for you? You know, he's like, well, I don't, I don't pay any fees to be a member of these organizations. And I'm like, well, that's great. I mean, I think some people do pay fees and he goes, and they send me money all the time. And I'm like, Oh, that's great. But you know, he was an established songwriter and he had a huge library and he had been working for some years. So it worked for him. But for the newer acts that are out there, um, you know, waiting around for mail money, that's what it's called. Um, to come your way. And I mean, I have literally seen tax royalty checks for like $2 and 13 cents. And, you know, you get that like eight, six, seven months later on, uh, you know, if I was a young person in a band right now, you know, 22 year old, I'd be like, Hey guys, let's check in with these other organizations like Yellowheart or something else and find out if we can just release our music blockchain and smart contracts directly to our fans and not have to go through an agency. So, you know, maybe they're not going to go out and sell VIP golden tickets for $200,000 the first time out, but maybe they're going to put out a special album just for their fans through an NFT and that increases the value of it inherently. And, you know, anybody who is an early supporter for a band I'm a huge fan of tons of smaller bands. I, you know, and I'm in a place in my life where I could spend a hundred dollars on NFT. I jump on it, you know? So I think that's one way that 
you know, NFT can work for the smaller band and not just be like, you know, if Elton John wanted to release an NFT of a pair of glasses or something like that, right? Right. I think also, too, um, that guy that claims that he doesn't have to pay any fees for being a member of those yeah. those entities, he is paying. I mean, they don't just collect money and say, yeah, we're just going to send you all the money that we collect. There's fees in there that that he probably doesn't okay. see or probably doesn't care to see that yeah. um, that he's getting charged for that. I mean, there's just no way they're doing yeah. that free of charge. No, you you will see. You can join organizations. Um, the the rights collector, you know, there's the scan, and there's the one in Canada, and there's the one in Europe. And and the whole thing about it is, if you're because music is uh, international, if you put something up on on a streamer, uh, that's available around the world twenty four seven, right? So. A lot of times a band or a band manager, and that's why a lot of bands want managers or want somebody behind them. They want them to manage all their rights globally, right? Because you've got to deal with so many different agencies to get collected, you know, and you might have to make sure all your rights are properly um, protected in like Brazil and then in Ireland and South wherever. Um, but if you're using smart contracts and it's on a digital ledger, uh, with, with blockchain, it's really hard to cheat that. And you're just basically licensing your music directly to the consumer, directly to your fan, and they're paying you, and that money goes right into your digital wallet, which then you transfer to your bank in what, real time. What do we know now that we didn't know two months ago with NFT and blockchain? Well, I don't think anybody knew what the hell NFT was uh, a couple months ago at all. So I think just the name recognition and and seeping into people's brains and going, NFT, NFT, what is that? And then, so I think one of the things that happened with Kings of Leon is I think that it's an eye-opener, right? I, I think a lot of bands out there were like, hey, hey, wait a second. So I think what we know now is that the traditional ways of um, selling your music or other things, you know, that your band want to do has really opened, has really just like, you know, the doors are wide open and there's so many more possibilities now than there were two months ago. I think that's a major difference. I think that's what we learned. And I think we learned that people are willing to do something new. And like, you know, check it out. And I don't think that the shininess is going to wear off. I think people are going to realize that there's a real value in it. So I think those are the main things. Where do you think it's going, you know, June 6th, which is today? Where do you think it's going to be in a year from now? Uh, I think people are going to be a lot more used to um, buying NFTs. I think people are going to... Um, I think a certain amount of people are going to embrace it. I don't know if everybody's going to embrace digital currency. Um, but I think a year from now, more and more and more people are going to be accepting digital currency. Like I'm on this site called, uh, well, I won't say what it is, but you can buy a lot of music on it. <laughs> and, you know, if I had a digital wallet right now and they accepted it, I'd probably pay with digital currency, you know? Uh, I, I think I get used to that really easily. And I, and I think 
What I really think is going to be a huge difference between today and next year at this time is that I think huge companies like Live Nation and Ticketmaster are going to move to blockchain and NFTs possibly to sell tickets and to kind of cut the scalp out. Uh, maybe not the resale market that might always be there, but I think it's going to cut a lot of fraud out in ticket buying. Um, I think that's going to be a major change. I, and I think that um, Live Nation is kind of undergoing that process at the moment. So we'll see. Any of that stuff that you mentioned, you know, hackers and thieves and criminals are always trying trying mm-hmm. to find ways to penetrate a system and get behind the back door, get in through the back door of what's happening. I mean, they, that's what they do for a living. And whenever you develop something that stops it, there's another area where they find that they can go in and get something or, or pack into something. So I don't know if it'll ever be a hundred percent resistant to that. And, but you, but when you talk about, digital wallets mm-hmm. i mean just in the last 25 years right mm-hmm. we always had cash we always paid for cash and then we started to get these atm cards which were not credit cards like in the in the beginning meaning you couldn't go to a store and use that to pay you had to go and get the cash out of the bank and basically what they were for originally was that convenience of getting money out of your account when the bank was closed. Okay. So that's originally what it was. And then someone came up with the idea to make it like a credit card and call it a debit card. And mm-hmm. basically now you have this in your wallet and it's like a credit card where you can go to a store, grocery store, wherever, shop online with this card that acts like a credit card, but it, but it pulls from your bank. And through studies, right. through studies, they have found when people use that debit card, they they spend more money versus if they just had cash in their wallet or in their pants pocket, right? Because mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. the physical nature of spending cash has a more has more impact to you when you're using it because you know you only have let's just say two hundred bucks on you, right? Oh yeah, and, and you've got mm-hmm. to spend within the amount of money that you have, okay, or up to the oh, amount yeah. of money that you have. So it's a psychological thing. When you have a debit card, you know you have more more than two hundred dollars in your bank, so you're spending more because it's not it's not in your hand. You're not giving it to the cashier or giving it to whomever. <sighs> so you spend more money. Oh yeah. So now you're mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm sure Christy, you you understand this completely. And, um, so, so when you have a digital wallet, now when you're seeing more people use this, when I'm at the grocery store, I see someone hold up their phone to a scanner and it zaps it. You don't even need to need a card anymore. Okay. So that's the next step in the process. The next step then is instead of it being linked to your bank account, which you can probably always have, I mean, that's not going to go away. It's going to be linked to your you know, your, your cryptocurrency, your digital, your digital yeah. currency mm-hmm. uh, amount. So if you go out oh, yeah. and you buy $5,000 worth of Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have that Bitcoin, you have $5,000 in your digital account. So you can go and you can go spend that wherever. 
Now, oh my god, yep. You know, so 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 the the evolution of spending money in currency is happening right before us. I mean, just think of twenty five oh, yeah. years ago where we were to now. I mean, oh yeah, twenty five years ago. Let's see, I was twenty. Yeah, I was I was I was twenty one. Jesus, we didn't have didn't have debit cards in. What year are we in? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm, yeah, I'm like, 19, wait, 1997. You were, you were only yeah. 21, 20 years ago. God yeah, damn, I'm old. We, okay. we were, we, in 1996, <laughs> 1997, we did not have debit cards, right? We didn't really? have debit cards 25 no, years ago. So. I don't think so. I, rem- I remember just, I remember the facts and the page were coming out about 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah, but, but you had that generic looking ATM card, right? I remember, oh, yeah. I, I remember yeah. I had a, a Citibank ATM card that was like gray and yeah. green. It was ugly. Oh, yeah. And you could go and you could get cash. You had your PIN number. Right. And you can go get your 60 bucks or 100 bucks for the night, whatever you're going to mm-hmm. spend. And you go out to the bars <laughs> with your friends and that was it. And that changed. Was like, but, that's, a low, that's a low price, but okay. <laughs> uh, I'm just, you know, I mean, whatever. Do you, I oh, mean, yeah, you went 25. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So he, the thing is, is that the psychological avenue of spending money is changing. So you're spending more money and they know that that's why, that's why they're always giving you credit cards for like, you know, you could, you know, you could get a credit card if you just have a pulse, right? Mm-hmm. Because they know you're mm-hmm. going to go out and spend it. And then you're, they know you're oh, going to yeah. be indebted to them with the interest rates forever. And pretty much th- th- that's, what's going to happen with cryptocurrency. So now, you know, there's going to be a fee to use your cryptocurrency. Currency wall. Oh, it's all going to be. already happening. is. But, but oh, here's yeah, the thing. Deep. For anyone that is waiting for this to go away, it is not going to go away. No. Because no. banks, financial mm-hmm. institutions, no. There's mm-hmm. money to be made. Oh, okay? yeah. Because they, there's a, I mean, they're charging you fee after fee for using your debit card oh, and yeah. your credit card. They can only mm-hmm. make so much after a certain amount, amount of time. Oh yeah. Okay. So what else do they have? What what other new forms of generating revenue are there going to be? Well, they can't. I mean, they already charge you thirty five dollars for an overdraft fee. They charge you, mm-hmm. you know, so much money per. This and that. So right. They, they charge you so much money to keep your money in their bank per month. Yeah. Right. Which is, I think, I can't yeah. even believe that yeah. we even accept that. Yeah, I know. You know. Yeah, we're we're paying them to let them use our money. Yes. Wait, yes. right? I mean, so I mean, we, but but wait, let me interrupt. But you, that's the freaking crux of it right now. That is why decentralized finance is so attractive, right? Um, because right now, um, and and who knows once regulation comes in, because you know that's on its way. But right now, the only fees. Or for accessing and you know offsetting, like you know using gas, they charge you for gas on your digital wallet, right? There's no actual usury fees. There's no interest charge. There's no uh, wire transfer fees. I mean, this is global, right? So if you've ever tried to transfer a large amount of money globally, there's a lot of fees associated with that. There's a lot of regulations. There's a lot of limitations to it. Right now, the way things stand and DeFi is that it's not a centralized bank. You know, it's people, it, it, like you said, to go back to the to the beginning, it is wild and woolly, and there really isn't a lot of regulations. So, you know, you're not getting charged $500 to do wire transfer. You're just transferring the money, 
you know, a wallet to wallet. So yeah. Yeah. Right I mean, now it's very attractive. Decentralized financing DeFi is very attractive for a lot of people. Is it going to stay like that? Or are they going to start regulating it like an equity or a bond or uh, a money exchange? You know, it's digital currency, it's virtual currency. Are they going to start charging money? Is it going to go under banking regulations? I don't know. So yeah, I mean, right when, now when you think of the evolu- when you think of the evolution of the cell phone, right? I mean, look at the yeah. look, at, look at how they scammed us into that. You know, you you got your cell phone and oh, unlimited data, unlimited data, no charge mm-hmm. for data. Then they got you to rely sure. on it. Your whole life's in your cell phone. Now they have right. data packages. You know where? Oh yeah. I mean, it's just it's just they get you sucked in and then. And, you know, that's what they did with credit cards. That's what they did with bank cards. And that's what's not going to be next with cryptocurrency. The other question is, is what's going to be after Bitcoin NFT to still have that decentralized money, that decentralized banking or whatever you call it. Um, what's the next thing beyond that, which is, you know, exactly. we don't know. But, you know, there's going to be something. It's just going to keep going. It's, it's never going to end. Oh, of course. Well, you know, depending if it's if it's regulated at the federal, if it's the state, and you know, a lot of money is regulated by the Fed, obviously. You know, and states have certain uh, regulations that they can impose on their banks and what have you. You know, um, it's possible that some may try to claim regulatory oversight over certain NFTs. I mean. You know, it's it's. There's been a petition to the SEC to figure out what the heck digital currency is. Is it a commodity? Is it a security? Or what is it? Um. So, there um. Is it going to fall under the Commodity Exchange Act? Is it uh, going to be regulated by the Commodity Futures Trading Commission? I, you know, so all of that is kind of really unclear. And and I'll tell you the people that are like really behind on all of this and really kind of out of the loop are our legislatures and our senators here in the United States. Because if you've heard them talk on TV, it's kind of embarrassing how ignorant they are on this. So it doesn't really give me a lot of confidence that these are the people in charge of making decisions. (laughs) But yet, here we are. As far as the future goes in music, and we'll kind of end on this topic, where do you see the biggest impact for blockchain, NFT, cryptocurrency as we continue down this journey? Well, I think that musicians and creators and copyright holders have been under attack for a really long time. And I think it's really, really difficult to make a living as a musician and a songwriter in the United States. We don't really have a lot of support for them as we saw over the last year. Um, I think that they need to ask themselves where, what things can we do as musicians and copyright holders to make a viable living with music? You know, what are those verticals? What are they? There's obviously touring. There's obviously merch. There's obviously streaming. And then we've had the discussion. Streaming is basically legalized theft almost, you know, unless you're the really big act. You know, hopefully SoundCloud would change that. We had a discussion on that. Um, But I think bands have to ask themselves, can we 
had NFTs, you know? Can we do it? Can we make money? And will the music fans adopt it? And I don't think the NFTs are going to be for everybody. Um, I don't think that everybody's going to see the value in digital assets. But I also think that bands have to explore that avenue. They have to see if something like NFTs and digital currency is going to work for them. And can they use it as part of the multiple revenue streams that they're going to need as a band to make a living at it? So I personally am optimistic on it. So I'm going to say, let's see what happens with NFTs. Is it for everybody? Probably not. But is it for some? And can they do it right? I think definitely. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's still an education going on with the consumer. Um, mm-hmm. I think everybody is aware of it. I think most people have heard of Bitcoin, maybe not as much, but mm-hmm. I think people have heard of NFT and blockchain. And as mm-hmm. it starts to get into our minds more and we see it more and we hear about it more, we learn about it more, it's going to take you know a, a bit for mm-hmm. this to be considered mainstream. And I think if more bands and more artists are putting it out there and you're a young kid or you're my age and you're on a website and you see NFT or what, what do you, however you, uh, or you see the Coinbase thing or whatever, you know, the logo, what's that, you know, and then you start to educate yourself on this stuff and people become a little bit more familiar and familiarity breeds comfort. And I think that's the big word is that as we are educating ourselves and becoming familiar with what this is, the comfort level will only increase, right? I mean, any, anytime, some, oh. anytime something's new and it affects money, there's always going to oh, be yeah. a little bit of people being uncomfortable. Oh. Like, what are you well, I'm oh, gonna yeah. put my money in. But as people well. see other people getting involved in it and, and using it, I think that... Um, I think people will just be more comfortable with it and it'll be the way things are or part of, oh, yeah. you know, what things are and how things are. So again, well, I, for- I forgot to mention, Jay, you know, PayPal, here's one big thing that happened since we last spoke. PayPal is now accepting crypto. So see, that's PayPal. the thing. Everybody wants to talk you know? about the bubble bursting and you know, this is bad. It's not going to happen. And you've got PayPal, which is a million dollar, corporation and you've got people like Mark Cuban and you've got I think another I forget Elon what, Elon yeah Elon oh yeah Elon needs yeah, to needs, makes- needs to be quiet but because <laughs> he's he you know he's affecting his his impact on it mm-hmm. but he doesn't realize he's affecting hard-working people as well every time he opens up his mouth or maybe he does know yep. that and he just doesn't care but um, I don't think he cares. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that guy. But anyway, um, <laughs> but again, again, when you start to see, and we are seeing it, big corporations, big investors putting their money into it, it's not going away. They're not. They're not. The reason why they're millionaires, billionaires, is because they're smart with their money. Okay, yeah. and they're not yeah. going to put their money into something that is too much of a risk. Or oh, if yeah. it is a risk, they're going to know what that risk is. But the more people get on board, the risk becomes less oh, yeah. and less. So yeah. the NBA, the NBA is going to start taking yeah. crypto for merch and ticket stuff. So, you know, just follow the money, right? Yeah. So it's always going to go back to that, unfortunately. But 
you know, with NFTs and crypto, the more widely accepted it is by major corporations worldwide, boom. So I beg you, this conversation that we have next year, I'm going to have a digital wallet. You're going to have a digital wallet. And we're probably going to have already purchased some NFTs, Pearl Jam. <laughs> Not that I'm saying anything, you know. <laughs> but, Any, I mean, anybody who wants to buy a digital <laughs> picture of my dog, you know, that too as well. It's... Well, you know, hey, that reminds me, um, there's a real famous photographer, um, Chris Cook, C-U-R-F-A-F-A-R-O. I don't know how to say his last name. Kafaro. He did all those early pictures with, you know, Pro Jam, Alfie James, and, and all of that from Seattle. He recently did release all those photos as NFTs, and I just haven't had the time to go in and inspect them. And, but that's something that would be right up my alley, buying a really nice NFT, you know, Chris Cornell or Allison James or something like that. So I think, you know, a year from now, we're both going to have used NFTs and purchased them. I'll bet you anything. We I know. I see. Will. I'm really sure. interested to see how Takeaway Thieves does with their new album. Again, they're a band from the UK oh. and they're really an up and coming band. They had an EP released a few years ago and they're pushing forward with this album and really diving into the cryptocurrency market and the NFT. And if you want to hear more on that, you can hear my interview with Neil Hunter, who's in Takeaway Thieves last month. I think it was in the middle part of the month. I forget what day it was, but um, you can okay. find that on any podcast platform. And that's really interesting Fantastic. to see what they're doing and to see how successful it's going to be. And I, I think they're bought in. I mean, even if it's mildly successful or even if it right. falls flat or fails to meet their own personal expectations, I still think they're going to keep going because I yep. think Neil, I mean, he's the only one I've talked to, understands that this is the beginning. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it's going to be trial and error, just like anything. So yep. I'm interested to see how that goes for them. Cool. All right. All right, Christy. Well, thank That's you very good. much Thanks, for uh, for being a guest again on the show. And uh, lots of uh, great Great things coming and always enjoy talking with you, especially in topics like this. I have to say, I get messages about your episodes all the time and how amazing really? you are and how, no way. yes, totally. Oh, and, and they're like, they're like, <laughs> man, Christy's awesome. And, and she's so knowledgeable. Again, I keep saying this. She's the best kept secret in podcasting. So if you, other podcasters out there want to, Bring in Christy to talk interesting things about the industry. She is there. She's also now the host of an internet radio show. So why don't you go ahead and talk about that before we before we leave? Oh my gosh! Okay, thanks, uh, Jay. Yes, yeah, so I'm hosting um, my own show, which I produce and select all the music and announce. It's called Sonic Signals, and I'm playing music I love. And it's a lot of hard rock, a lot of guitar, um, a lot of blues-based rock, and some acoustic, a little bit of country rock. Um, and it's on a great platform called PlutoRadio.com. And they've been around since 2008. And they are an internet radio station by and for musicians. I'm kind of a really shitty musician, but I do a lot of um, producing and, and a lot of stuff in the music world that's separate from this. But... It's on every Wednesday at 11 a.m., 5 p.m., 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. So thank you for the opportunity to shout that out, Jay. 
Absolutely. And she does a great job and she's always promoting new music. She's working with new musicians all the time and new bands all the time. And if you're a new band out there listening to this and you want to contact Christy, reach her through her Twitter page. She knows her shit. She knows what she's doing. Um, she's really into producing and making you sound as great as you can. So um, awesome. look her up Thank and check you. her out. She's great. So. That's Christy and Eagle, my friends. Go check her out. Get her on your podcast. And if you're a band, contact her about making your band sound better. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast, part of the Pantheon podcast platform. Like us, like us on Facebook, Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, I should say. And subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. And you'll get the episode a few hours before it drops on my social media. And write us a review as well. So... Take care, everybody. Stay strong, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will certainly talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 